You make it as easy as possible. You celebrate as early as possible and you rinse and repeat. Literally when it comes to flossing, actually, I suppose. Um, (laughs) Hello and welcome to the Anxious and Ambitious podcast. I'm your host, Nicole, and I'm on a mission to change the way that we think about anxiety. Oftentimes, it can feel like anxiety can get in the way of our ambitions, and I'm here to tell a different story. In each episode, we'll explore how we can manage our anxiety, heal our nervous system, and conquer our fears so we can shine as our most authentic self, go after our biggest dreams, and achieve our greatest ambitions. You'll hear stories from people who have been there themselves and strategies from experts who can help you thrive. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back to another episode of Anxious and Ambitious, the podcast where we're dedicated to helping you conquer your anxiety and achieve your most ambitious goals. I'm your host, Nicole, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by an expert in the field of psychology and goal attainment joining us. So our special guest today is Dr. Ben Levy. He's a seasoned psychologist who specializes in helping individuals from all walks of life turn their dreams into a reality. Ben is also a magician, a husband, and an entrepreneur. And I really admire how he takes an innovative approach to goal setting and achievement that explains the five factors that are at play whenever you're trying to achieve any goal. So we'll be diving into that and breaking it down today. And I'm just excited and honored that he's here to share his wisdom with us. So Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. My absolute pleasure, Nicole. And that is quite some introduction i need to live up to that very eloquent and beautifully put and really aggrandizing introduction so thank you very much much <laughs> appreciated and uh, i'm now currently glowing so um, yeah thank you <laughs> well my pleasure and ben actually another fun fact we're sort of joining from opposite london's in the world so i'm located mm-hmm. in london ontario he's from london uk so we're having an international exciting conversation here for you today london to london London to London. Okay. Awesome. Well, to start, I'd love, Ben, if you could just share with us a little bit about your journey, maybe like the Note version of what inspired you to helping individuals to achieve their goals and how you started developing your unique approach. Absolutely. Um, So I began my career actually as a teacher. So I began as an elementary school teacher, primary school in the UK. And I always wondered and was interested in why people did what they did, how people learned well, when young people just didn't get it and what was going on that caused them to feel stuck. And the route to go down in the UK to do that is, I think, what they call in the States and in in North America, the school psychologist route. Hmm. So in the UK, it's slightly broader. We call it educational psychology. So it's anything to do with learning and education and it was called Child, Community and Educational Psychology. So I did my doctorate in that area and really began to understand the theory behind how people learn and develop. And I guess those were seeds that were planted many, many years ago, which if you fast forward, you'll see in the model itself, which I'm sure we'll come on to. So I continued after that doctorate uh, and then I needed to apply my learning in the real world and work for what they call a local authority in the United Kingdom. So that will be kind of, I guess, local area schools. And did that for about seven or eight years, working in a whole range of different sizes of schools, not just working individually, but working with teams, 
working with the whole organization and training them on learning and development. And when things don't work so well, how to help. Fast forward from that, last couple of years as the pandemic hit, having been to local authorities and working in charities, I was rather bizarrely headhunted by a corporate, a large startup to be their lead psychologist. And I worked for about a year and a half with them, with their problems. So now I'd work with literally hundreds, if not thousands of people, one-to-one on their problems. And I started to notice a pattern, which was everyone who achieved their goals and achieved them quickly, they all had five things in common. They had all of those five things. And those five things I call A, B, C, me. And that's my model. Now, I don't know whether I should go into that this point in time or if you just want the uh, the kind of, what do they call it? The sizzle before the sausage, right? <laughs> no, that's yeah. awesome. Thank you for sharing a little bit of your journey with us. And I think it's so cool that you've worked in a variety of different settings. So truly with people from all walks of life and then have been able to figure out what are these five common factors that can apply to anybody who's trying to achieve their goals. And so I do want to dive into your ABC and me model, but I'm curious first, are there any sort of common misconceptions that you've seen in the field that people have about achieving ambitions, but the evidence doesn't really match up? Oh, that's a nice question to ask. And I really kind of, you're getting me to, to helpfully think think on the moment and on the spot about that. Um, I think more often than not, the sort of the public perception of how to achieve things is, is probably more, it's more prevalent that people have conceptions and misconceptions that are not evidence-based than actually they're using the evidence. And as you'll hopefully see, my model is very much rooted in evidence, both from my experience clinically, but also what the research says works when you're trying to achieve any objective, any goal. Um, but if you were to pin me down, what, what would be top of mind? Um, let me take a moment to think, because that's what us psychologists do. I'll tell you a good one, actually, that comes straight to mind. Mm is determination you hear it so often you've got to be more determined you've got to just keep pushing through and i think it's linked to the resilience movement as well now resilience is a very well researched concept but the idea of being determined is not something that is a concept that can really be understood on its own terms it's almost like a a common language common word that we try to use to keep pushing ourselves forward. Ironically, the more determined someone might be if they don't have the other elements in place, the more likely they are to actually not achieve their goal and become quite anxious often as a result because they keep pushing and pushing and pushing because the the world around them says, be more determined, be more persistent, keep on going, but they don't have the groundwork behind it. They just have that buzzword. So I think that often you see that in the corporate sphere as well is that language around being determined really pushing yourself to the top where you can keep pushing, but if you don't have the foundations at some point, you're probably going to break. Yeah, that's a really great point, that determination piece. And it reminds me of a lot of what I've heard in the goal setting space is around this idea of motivation. Like you need to be determined. You need to be constantly motivated and pushing towards your goal. And if you're not pushing hard enough, then you just don't have the willpower to achieve it kind of a dialogue. Um, That's a beautiful one because motivation will come on to. And motivation is a false friend. So what do I mean by that? Motivation comes and goes, and there's often not that much we can do about that. So when it goes, we can we can bring it up to a degree and we want to start with a high level of motivation. That's always great, but it can wax and wane through any project, through anything in our life. And we have competing motivations. There's always other stuff that's on our mind, in our hearts, 
that's calling for our time. And so when we keep thinking this, this myth of just stay motivated, keep motivated, keep determined, it doesn't work with how we as human beings actually work. Now, I'm not saying there aren't hacks. There are hacks to help motivation. We've got to recognize that sometimes we'll be in motivation dips and roll with that. Yes. And so I'm excited to unpack your model and how we can actually maintain this momentum even towards like long-term goals when there's those ebbs and flows in motivation, because I think that this trips up a lot of people when the motivation is gone, they feel like the fire is gone in their ability to achieve those goals. No, that's great. And we'll talk about that and also about how to keep motivation as high as it can be for as long as it can be without beating yourself up when there's other callings to your time and energy. Yeah. Okay. So before we dive into that, because I also want to touch on, you know, when we have multiple goals as well, how can we manage all of these? But to start, can you break us down what these five factors of your ABC and me model is? Of course. Happy to. Um, So once again, it's the five factors that I had discovered uh, through my sort of clinical practice and then checking in against the research, it, it fit beautifully, that everyone that I saw who was effective, they all had those five in place. And I've checked that out now with friends, family, colleagues, and now lots of people across different uh, contexts. And they they all seem to be very positive in response, which is what they call in psychology, ecological validity. In other words, the world out there, it seems very happy with the idea. Um, so ABC me stands for A is ability. So to achieve any goal, of course, we need to be able to do it. So if I'm going to run a race in 10 seconds, we might come back to that analogy, but if I'm going to run a race in 10 seconds, I've got to actually be able to run 10 second, 100 meter races. Maybe I've experienced doing that before. I've got the physical skills to do it. I know how to get myself to the track. I've got to have the underlying ability to achieve the goal. If I can only do 100 meters in 50 seconds, then clearly I'm not going to achieve the goal this time around, not yet. So ability is clearly and almost obviously, axiomatically, something that we need. Right. So that's A. B is belief. And that is your belief in your ability to complete that. Do I believe, maybe I am able, but do I believe I can do it this time? I can do that 10 second 100 meters. And we know plenty of people who have the measurable ability to do it. And everyone's telling them they can do it, but they don't tell themselves they can do it. So B is belief. Now, I've met people who have decent levels of belief. They they, they feel they can do it. We know they can do it. Their challenge is C, clarity. They're not clear enough on what the goal needs to actually look like, defining the goal, and the steps they need to take to get there. The clearer you are on the destination and on the journey, the more likely you are to achieve the goal, of course. It's not enough to say, I believe. It's much better to say, I believe I can run on this track at this time of day, in these weather conditions, 10 seconds, this 100 meter race. Now we have much more clarity and we're much more likely to achieve. And there's a huge amount of research on this concept. It's called in the literature, self-efficacy, self-efficacy. Um, but we'll call it belief in my model. It's exactly the same thing. And it's not uh, religious belief or anything else. It's just your belief in your ability to complete that task. doesn't talk about anything else other than your belief in that. Wow. So that's ABC, but there's more. Now, M, I'll do a little quiz question for you, Nicole. What do you think M might stand for? 
Well, we had been talking about motivation. So to be honest, that was the first one that came to mind. That's it. Motivation still clearly needs to be there. And if you are super motivated and for some reason, somehow magically, you stay at that level of motivation all the way through your project, of course, you're going to get there faster and you're more likely to just get there because you kept the energy and the drive going. We're going to be realistic and say that's not always the case, but you can see motivation has to be part of the picture. If I didn't care at all, why would I even start? So that's M. Now a trickier question, Nicole. We've got someone now who's able. They believe in it. They're clear. They're up for it. They're energized. They're motivated. There's still one piece of the puzzle that I've always found needs to be in place. Hmm. And it begins with E. The first thing that comes to mind for me is energy or like effort. So I would split those two. Energy I would put into motivation. Okay. But also I would say effort and to some degree energy come out as a result of ABC me. So the effort, the focus, the direction and the success is a result of these foundational five. A bit like we talk about resilience and we talked about determination before. All of that isn't foundational. It comes as a result of having high levels of ability, belief, clarity, motivation and this magical mystery E. Once they're all in place, you'll find it's much more likely you'll be determined, resilient, energized, effortful. So you get one more chance, Nicole. Well, first, I just want to drive home that idea that like energy and effort is the result of these things, because I think a lot of us end up berating ourselves when we haven't achieved a goal or maybe not achieved it as fast as we wanted to, because, oh, I just don't have the proper energy or I haven't been putting in enough effort, but maybe we haven't had these foundational five factors in place. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a great word, by the way, when you said effort, and because I think with determination and effort, the language is a kind of on of the push there's like almost a push towards something yeah. but without insight and understanding the fundamentals then that push just becomes kind of like a stick you beat yourself with and it becomes much less productive we want these the effort and the energy to be the result not the beginning mm. yeah and i think we've all sort of felt that when you're actually in a flow state and it feels like you can put in so much energy and effort into something but it really takes no effort I guess on your behalf because you have that's beautifully put and I've never really thought of it like that Mm -hmm. if you had all five of these in place you would be in flow more often than not that's a beautiful way to put it yeah yeah Ooh, I'm so curious on what this e is I can't think of another e word e is I'll give you one more clue a is essentially everything that you yourself bring to the table Mm. what experience do you have what are your thinking skills like what are your physical skills like to achieve E is the other side of things. So not what everything that you bring, but everything external, external, which is your environment, environment. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That, external. So it's everything that's outside. So environment can be a physical environment. Yeah. How supportive and how easy is it to do what you need to do where you are in space? And like, is the temperature too hot around you? Right. Is it too cramped? Is it lovely and spacious? Have you got the right physical equipment? And the other environment, of course, is psychological. Uh, Yesterday, I was doing a training session for a bunch of entertainers. And one of the questions that was raised was, this is a slightly younger entertainer who's with their family, who keep telling them, why are you wasting your time becoming a performer? Hmm. Now, that's a really challenging psychological environment. Now, you can see how that would impact on whether he achieves his goal or if he does, how long it takes to get there. 
and how painful it might be to get there. So the environment is every bit as important, psychological and physical, to achieving your goals. So that in a nutshell is ABC me. Mm, I love that E is environment. And I think that me, it goes to show that even me struggling to think of the E word, I'm sure many of us feel this way is putting so much pressure on the internal things, the things that we feel that we can control more. But this environmental piece and who you're surrounding yourself with, right? They say that you are a result of the five main people that you spend the most time with. Mm -hmm. So are those people uplifting you? Are they driving you towards your goals or are they holding you back? Because I've definitely experienced that. Absolutely. And on the physical environment side of things, sometimes it can be as easy. I'm doing this from my small home office, which was a complete tip a couple of days ago. And I said, if I'm going to be serious about having a really meaningful, long conversation with a number of people in the next few weeks, because this is my window to do these kind of conversations, I need to create this office space. And so I took everything out and went into this space. And I'm, I'm finding I'm focusing better. I'm having more impactful conversations. I feel better about what I'm doing. And I'm more likely to achieve what I want to achieve, which is having impactful, hopefully, conversations, because I've just shifted room. <laughs> yeah. No. And the impact of our room is crazy. I mean, even something as simple as clutter, I'm sure for many people who work from home, it can be easy to, you know, want to just go straight to work and avoid tasks like cleaning and decluttering, but actually making your environment conducive to your tasks is just going to make it much easier. And you, you touched on something else, which I've considered, and I've not really talked about with anyone else before other than myself, is there's an interaction between both environments. And what do I mean by that? Your physical environment can have a psychological impact and your psychological environment could have a physical impact. So the two can also talk to each other. How do you feel about yourself when you're in a cramped space? And when there's people around you who you really want to be drawn to, where do you physically now go? So they talk to each other. That's so true. And if we're in a physical environment that we don't like to be in, then we might psychologically escape or if we psychologically believe that we can't achieve the thing I guess that goes back to belief though but we wouldn't create the environment you know to actually be able to achieve the goal yeah but you make another point I think underneath that which Mm -hmm. is although these are all separate concepts they all talk to each other ABC me talk to each other and we'll come probably on to later there's one of them that's particularly magical and has an impact on so many of the others Um, I'll leave you to wonder, Nicole, now and for those at home listening to guess which one it is. Um, But they all can have an impact. If obviously you have a high belief level, right, I really think I'm going to be able to do this. You're more likely to be motivated to have a go as well. All things being equal. So that will likely impact on motivation levels. Right. Right. High motivation doesn't necessarily mean that you believe it more. It might mean a lot to you, but you still feel like it's not something I really can do in, in my heart of hearts. But higher belief certainly could. I think I could definitely do this. Well, why wouldn't I have a go? Let's have a go. That'd be fun. So that you see, so they can talk to each other. Absolutely. Each of those elements, but each concept, as it were, is separate, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I I like that you mentioned that they interact. So that's that's really important. And now one of the ones that stands out to me personally is this one about clarity, because I've found in my life something that actually holds me back from taking action on things is wanting to have complete clarity on exactly where I'm going, exactly what it's going to look like. And so how do you recommend people finding the balance between, you know, having enough clarity to go after their dreams, but not getting caught up in the nitty gritty? 
Great question. How long have we got till the end of the podcast? (laughs) (laughs) So you've also, I might as well answer the question now because you touched the clarity. They're not in any order, by the way, but clarity is the one that I found can have the most impact. So there are a lot of people at the other end of the spectrum to you, Nicole, who are just not clear enough. And by the way, when I say people, I don't just mean individuals. I've worked with organisations who don't have a clear enough mission statement, don't understand what they're all trying to achieve, and the whole organisation is unclear. And as a result, there's a huge range of impacts in terms of belief, motivation, environment change, because people don't have that level of clarity. Mm. So... Clarity is king and is key, but if you go too much to clarity, that's a very interesting thing to discuss because what's clear enough? So I'll give you a little test that I do, and it's, I think it's very interventive. It can make a huge difference, and it's so simple. Mm-hmm. A client comes to me, and they say, I don't know what I want to achieve. I've got an idea, but I'm not totally clear, maybe in my career. I say to them, for your first best attempt – Write down in one sentence what would make you really, really proud of yourself if you achieved in your career. Write it in just one sentence. I will dot, dot, dot. Which requires you to some degree to visualise, well, what would the end state look like? So that then when that person presents it back to me, then I can look at it and go, okay, I understand how that looks. We share. Now, it could be that person passes it to someone else that I don't know and they know. And if that third person also looks at it and says, I get what that is, that's clear enough. Mm. And just that exercise, that simple exercise, turn everything into one simple sentence. If everything went well, what would it look like? Put that in one sentence. If it makes sense to you and someone else, you're probably clear enough. So putting it into one simple sentence, I love these prompts of, you know, if everything were to go right, what would that look like? What would you feel really proud of to like bring some emotion into it? Mm -hmm. Um, And so would you recommend then that that clarity just needs to be around the main goal or all of the steps along the way as well? Because I think that's where people get stuck. Yes, you've picked up on that. So once you've done that step, and by the way, I call it the what and the how. So the what is what am I trying to achieve? the destination, the how is how do I get there? What steps do I take and in what order? That's the journey. We have the destination, the what, and the journey, which is the how. Okay. Now, again, clear enough every step of the way. So when I work with individual clients, I get them to start with the milestones. In one sentence, tell me the first milestone, the second, and we work together to work out the milestones. Then we take the very first next milestone and we break that one down into the key actions that they need to take in order to achieve that milestone. Then we take the first action and we say, what's it exactly going to look like? Tell me what you're going to do tomorrow, the day after, where are you going to do it, etc." Mm. So that's the level of clarity we want for just the, the next action that leads, the next action that leads to the first on the rung of steps to get to my first milestone so we don't need to worry about all the different actions on all the different milestones we just get the milestones in place and when we come to them then we'll get to more detail of our how okay i love that so you start with the end in mind i guess the bigger umbrella goal and then break it down into those little rungs of the ladder that are going to get you up to that goal yeah 
And I think one of the challenges people often have, it's quite a human instinct, is to run with a vague goal. Define the goal, get clarity, start at the end. Once you've got the goal defined and clear and succinct, now we'll work out the key steps to get there, the headlines. We're not going to overthink every single step of the journey right now. That might affect our belief. It might affect our clarity, frankly. We're just going to get those headline steps. So if, for example, I'll give you an example of a client I was working with just now, a couple of days ago, he's got a a high revenue target. He wants to have three recurring clients, each earning a million pounds a year, which is $1.5 million. So he's got a clear revenue target and client number target for his consultancy business. So he's got a nice, clear, defined goal. We then worked out each of the steps he needs to take. His first milestone is create a software system which tracks where he's at with his sales. So that's his first milestone. One sentence, and he's got several of those leading up to the final milestone, which is the one that takes him over the line to his revenue and client goal. We looked at that very first milestone, the software to um, identify sales leads and so on. And then we said, well, what's the first action you need to take to reach that milestone? We actually looked at all the actions, but we said, what's the first action? And he told me in depth and detail, he is going to sit at his desk on Thursday afternoon. He's going to send a WhatsApp message to his assistant to ask her to load up information that he will email to her onto a software platform that will help them track all their sales leads. And I said, at what time of day will he be doing that? So I only got to that level of detail for his very next action. So he's got clarity and detail on his how now. And each one by one, we do it like that. Otherwise, we'll get mental overload. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to get so caught in planning that you never take any of these actions. That's right. And if someone's caught in planning, I want to think about why that is. They may not be as motivated as they think they are about their goal. That could be often a reason for procrastination. Is I've met a number of people who they have all sorts of habits and techniques to avoid actually going for the goal. And sometimes that's about belief. Often it can also be about motivation. And then we can think about, well, why did you want to achieve this goal? And is this really the goal for you? Hmm. And so breaking that down a little bit more, because I think that that's an important piece. A lot of us, sometimes we set goals that are just arbitrary, not really resonating with us. Or mm. if we have the goal, we haven't taken the time to fully imagine, you know, how that would feel, how we would be in that space. And is that actually where we want to go towards? So do you have any advice for, you know, setting those bigger goals? In terms of clarifying the why? Yeah. Yeah. So it's if I'm honest, I found it, it does need a process with another person. Mm. It's quite hard to, we think we know ourselves. We really don't know. And I I count myself absolutely in that, by the way. Um, We have wonderful autobiographical memories and we have wonderful capacity to tell ourselves stories about who we are. When someone sits opposite with us and asks us the right questions, we start to fairly quickly find out what what really drives us. And it's rarely what we think uh, does. So I often meet with clients, we spend sort of an hour together, but the structure that I work with is I get them to define their current goal in one sentence. And then I ask them, okay, so you want to achieve this goal. You want to be down to 85 kilos by December. That's their goal, for instance. So that. Mm. 
and they tell me their answer. And then I, I look at their answer and they, they often have several reasons why. And I say, which of those reasons matters most to you? And we pick that and it might be um, so that I feel, um, so that I can fit into, you know, my, my wedding uh, suit, you know, so that um, I can go out and about and not feel embarrassed, whatever it might be for this particular goal. Mm-hmm. I get them to choose the one that matters most, the one that resonates most for them. And they have to pick one. So let's say, for example, I can get into my wedding suit. So I'll say to them, okay, you can get into your wedding suit so that, and as we peel back the layers, we find out the really, really core motivation here, the real reason this person wants that goal. And once we understand the real reason, we can decide if this goal is going to get them to meet that core need. So that's the process that I use when I work with clients to get under the surface to their real reason why. I love that. I've heard previously, you know, you should ask why 50 times to yourself. Okay. So why do you want to do this? Why is that important? Why is that important? But I like this idea of choosing the one that's most important and then using the word so that, because sometimes I think why can be such an intrusive word that we're like, Oh, I don't know why. (laughs) Right. But so that is, well, what's I mean, it's hard one to to nail down, but I think when I have so that, and then often I, at the lower levels as a deeper levels with clients, I might say, so that I feel and we want to get to a core feeling so i'll give you an example for me is you know i want as many people as possible to learn about my model hence the conversation today and the ones i'm having in upcoming weeks and another part of my goals which i can go down a similar track but they both come to the same why by the way but another one of my goals is i want to make sure that i can live a comfortable life having shared this passionate this passion of mine around the, this model. My whys actually, as I go down the so that route at the bottom is I have a fundamental need to feel competent. That's really important for me. But that's me. That's what's driving me. Now I understand that that's going to help me decide who I speak to, how I speak to them, what work I take on, what I don't, how I approach my days. Because for me, knowing that competence is what really matters to me, it gives me the focus. And it affirms to me that this is the right goal for me. And it gives me energy as well. Oh, wow. I love that. And this leads perfectly into another question that I had for you, because I know that many of our listeners, they might have multiple goals, multiple ambitions that they're working towards. And so do you recommend that they always have the same why, or is there any other advice you would recommend to achieving multiple goals sort of at the same time? Oh, there may be five goals and five whys. It happens to be for me with those two that they they meet the same why. I haven't done that exercise with too many of my other goals. Maybe I should. Um, but uh, you could have different whys. I think there may be a logistical and a kind of energy challenge and question to having too many goals going on at the same time. You know, I would want instinctively, rather than collecting goals, prioritizing goals. Which is the thing that matters most to me right now? Let's peel back some layers to understand why and decide whether this goal is the right way. I'll give you another example from a client who, um, a very lovely lady called Lou, uh, who's an illustrator. And she illustrated for loads of other people. And her goal was to illustrate her own book. So she did a book of illustrations that was just her illustrations. And she came to me very excitedly with this goal. And we did the so that exercise. And her bottom line was she 
initially, her first thing was, I want to be able to express myself. And as we went down the levels, as it were, her real core why, what was most important to her, was that she allowed other women to see that they could express themselves. She wanted to give women permission to do what she was doing. So I asked her the question, well, how did illustrating your own book achieve that? Give you what you really need? And she thought about it and she thought, it's a bit of a rubbish way of doing it (laughs) because anyone could read that book. It doesn't mean automatically they'll be inspired by seeing her name on the front to think, well, as a woman. So she said, I need to go away and come up with a different goal. One that really talks to my why, that's going to directly impact as many women as possible to feel empowered. And it might be using my skill set of illustration. It might be using other of my skill sets. She's a lovely, very friendly uh, lady, very kind of great networker. So there's lots of different skill sets she might use. She just got on with something that she, in, she knew she enjoyed and she knew she did well. What, but it, it wouldn't actually really drive her accord. And something I've been playing with recently is a little Venn diagram. So, you know, there's kind of, you have like three circles and where they intersect in the middle of those three is where you always kind of want to be, right? Where, where all the characteristics join. So I think one is happiest in one's life when all three circles of this Venn diagram, which I'm about to describe, are in place. So imagine you want to achieve a particular career, you want to pursue a particular career, what might that be? Well, one of the circles is filled with everything that you enjoy. So in your day-to-day work, as much as possible, doing stuff that, that, that really lights your fire, right? So as you know, I'm a magician. Gosh, if in my day job, there was a lot of opportunity to do all the stuff around magic, which is, you know, like learning magic tricks and analyzing magic tricks and stuff like that, let's be realistic. Maybe I won't have that opportunity, but stuff that really lights your fire, that's one circle. Another circle that intersects with this is the stuff that you're actually good at. So if you are enjoying what you're doing and it's not constantly a chore because it's too difficult for you, maybe it's challenge enough, but that's fine. But generally it's drawing on your skills and your strengths and your experience. Then you're doing really well. I think most people stop at those two circles Mm. and they get through life fine and they get through their careers and their families beautifully because they're, they're, you know, they're enjoying themselves. They're doing things pretty well. That's fine. But there's often something nagging. And I think what's nagging is the third circle, the thing that stops them leaping out of bed, you know, spending extra hours telling everyone down the pub in the UK about what it is that they're doing and trying to evangelize. That's what evangelize all the yeah. stuff that they're doing. And the third one is understanding your real reason for doing it, your drive your real why. And I think when the three intersect, then you have a powerful focus for your life and for your career, because you have stuff that you're enjoying more often than not, you know you can do, and really matters to you. And it's, I think, those three that, when they intersect, really make a difference. Yeah, I love that idea of the Venn diagram with all three. And I would agree with you that that third one is probably under-recognized and underutilized. It makes me think of times when I was in career counseling and, you know, speaking with career counselors about what is it that you want to do? Who do you want to be? And a lot of the things that they would ask me is, well, what are you good at? And 
like not to brag, but I just happened to be like equally good at all the different subjects in school, for example. And so I was like, well, I can't really choose what I'm good at to be what I want to do. Well, what do you enjoy? I'm like, well, I, I kind of enjoy all of it too. So right. it was always so hard for me to pinpoint That's exactly really- what, but I don't really think very many people at least in those initial stages of just career counseling before I dove more into, you know, the personal development space of what's your actual why that's driving you. That's really interesting. I, again, I hadn't thought of it like that, but you could use that as a differentiator almost like as a decider, you know, you're, 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 you're at the start of your potential career and you in that example, you can't decide, but this could help you differentiate and decide, you know, between various options because you've got, you've got the clarity on your why. And I hadn't thought of it like that. I just meant more kind of reflecting back on when people I see have the most kind of fire in their belly yeah. and they most inspire me is I think that when I see that all three of those are in place. Right. So all their goals have the enjoyment, they're good at it and it has a why behind it. But I think yeah, it's curious yeah. to explore it as also a way of maybe setting goals, especially if yeah. you're somebody that struggles to decide on a goal, because I can definitely raise my hand to that. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, what I do do with clients when we when I had that conversation with Lou and she realized she needed a different goal, then we could go down the track of discussing, well, what, what are you good at and what do you enjoy doing and where's the interface between those. And now we already understand your why is helping influence other people and other women to express themselves. So we've already got your why. We just need to work out the stuff that you got first from your careers counselor. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that example actually just outlines perfectly that if we don't actually think about this why then we could put a lot of effort and energy into something that's going to leave us feeling unfulfilled and empty at the end right like if she had went on and written that book and just focused maybe years on illustrating that book but never had thought about well I really want to allow other women to express themselves then that true why her real goal would have been pushed down and I think it changes the whole feeling of around this idea of work and not work because it becomes part of who you are so you're not differentiating you're not coming into work and doing the stuff that you enjoy and do well and then coming back home and you've now stopped the stuff you enjoy and doing well and you're doing other stuff it's all it doesn't create those boundaries and it doesn't feel like work because it matters more than that it's not the there's work involved however you're, you're you're operating at a different level psychologically and emotionally you're not clocking in and clocking out. Life is about this mission and about how you express it in all the different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I feel like so far we've really broken down like these huge foundations for how you can set goals and <laughs> achieve goals. Right. And I'm curious here because, you know, at the beginning we were talking around motivation and determination and achieving these goals, right? We can have all of these things in place, but it's really the consistency and taking the steps, perhaps forming the habits that are going to allow us to reach that goal. And something Mm. that stood out to me when we were chatting before we got onto this um, podcast was you were talking about how the element of surprise can impact habits. Mm. So I'd love if you could speak on that and maybe even just share some additional advice on, you know, developing some of these habits that would allow us to consistently go after our goals sure absolutely and yeah i should point out i'm also a habits coach and i actually developed and learned that stuff and went on the certified training route for all that because there was a clear realization that a lot of people when you're trying to reach a goal it's not just a series of one by one by one things that you need to do often you need to develop habits including habits to stick with the plan that you've created for yourself in other words 
do I check in on my plan? Do I monitor it? Do I make sure that I'm progressing on my plan? That itself often needs habits, as well as the actions you take within the plan. We talked about that, you know, kind of weight loss example as a kind of off the top of my head example. Clearly, habits of health, exercise and so on, diet would need to be put in place. So habits are often crucial when it comes to achieving goals as well as particular one-off behaviours that you need to carry out. And, and mixing the two is often the case, a combination of both. So, yeah, surprise is a really interesting one. And it's stuff, I, I'll be completely honest about it. I'm, I'm not an expert in that area. What I've come to understand is that, and I think we briefly touched on it before this conversation, Nicole, um, is that surprise can add a real um, stickability to habits so there's a science behind habit formation and i can briefly touch on that now i think it's it's a very broad area there's a professor of behavioral design called bj fogg and he's a professor at stanford university he's written a book called tiny habits which is a fantastic book which explains the science behind how to actually develop and stick with habits and you can build habits into your day and so some of the principles behind it are you create something called a little recipe and the recipe normally starts either when I or after I, and then it's something you've already been doing in your day and you do every day. So after I brush my teeth, then I, and the next part of that recipe is a very, very tiny thing. That's one little part of the final habit you would love to have. So let's say you want to floss all your teeth. After I brush my teeth, I floss one tooth and then I celebrate. And by celebrate, it's not like disco dancing and going crazy. It's basically any way that you can tell your brain, this was really good. And I'm on my way to becoming a flosser. Because what happens is it's a hack. Your brain goes, oh, that was a nice feeling. Your neural pathways start to change. And you start to associate the behavior you did with positivity and with the behavior you did before. So slowly but surely, and not that slowly often when it comes to things like flossing, Within a few days, you'll start to find as soon as you put that toothbrush down, you'll pick up the floss almost without thinking. And once it does become unconscious, it is now a habit. And you just slowly build up tooth by tooth. You can do two, three, as you notice that it's becoming easier for you to do. You make it as easy as possible. You celebrate as early as possible. And you rinse and repeat. Literally, when it comes to flossing, actually, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> I so, love that. And I like the idea of celebrate because I think this is a step that many of us skip. We, you yeah. know, try to just drive the most important the step. Yeah. Right. And that's what I'll touch on. So, but one thing to say is we make it tiny because actually our brains do not like change, much as we think we all like change, let alone some people do. We don't. Our brains, we have a, what's called a writing reflex. Our bodies and our brains tend to go back to the norm as the safe point. And so we have to sneakily introduce new behaviours. That's why it's one tooth at a time and celebration. Oh, it's only a small thing and it feels good to my brain and my body. Oh, for sure, I'll do that, more likely do that tomorrow. So that's what's going on. Um, surprise, if you do a surprise celebration, imagine you have a little wheel next to the, the mirror in your bathroom, the wheel of fortune, and it's got a whole bunch of different ways of celebrating on that wheel and you flip the wheel. So you floss one tooth, you flick the wheel of fortune, and it points today to punching in the air and going, whoop, whoop. That will add to your ability to build the habit because you didn't know what was coming. It could have been anything. And it's that feeling of, oh, and yay, that you get together 
that gives you that extra positive energy. Okay. Mm. Now, if somehow you arranged it that the ceiling had a little door, a trap door, and some balloons randomly pop through one morning, that would be wonderful because that would be the greatest form of surprise. And you would that next day for sure be flossing because that surprise level was so high and gave you such emotional positive energy. That, and that's what the research seems to be saying is that adding surprise to the mix and doing clever things like that. So when we can apply it to also practical things. So let's say you've achieved a goal. You know, the usual thing is to go out for food or, you know, have some sort of external celebration. First of all, the internalized I'm on my way to my final destination or I've achieved the goal I wanted to is is actually more psychologically powerful than going out for the meal and if you can introduce an element of surprise to that as well then it's going to make you feel even more positive about starting on your next goal I love that and I think this idea of surprise how you've explained it it just comes down to tying that emotional experience to the habit like whenever we can tie emotion to our goals it just gives us much more energy towards them Yes, positive emotions and ideally what we call purpose focused. By that, I mean, if I can celebrate by bearing in mind my purpose, I'm flossing my teeth now. I'm becoming someone who has got great dental health. And that was my real goal. Yeah. So if you have a goal in mind, Nicole, if you can reference your goal into your celebration, then you'll internalize it and feel even more positive. It'll give you that drive to carry on because you can, you're, you're giving yourself the reason why you're doing it as part of your celebration. Yeah, that's amazing. And this is something I always try to drive home with my clients is like, what are we celebrating today? And more importantly, how are you celebrating it? Because so many of us, especially if you're really ambitious, you might achieve the goal and then say, yay, check it off. And then before you know it, you're on to the next one. And it's probably just going to dampen your motivation and energy to achieve goals in the long term. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you've shared so much gold with us, Ben, and I feel like we could talk forever. But as we sort of start to wrap up this conversation here, do you have like one piece of advice or maybe a key takeaway that you'd like to drive home with our listeners today to help them pursue their dreams? Sure. I mean, I'll say two things. One is a bit sort of self, uh, what's the word for it? It's kind of a way of self-referring, but it's actually something that I genuinely believe, which is I would love everyone to use this model because if you have a goal within five minutes, you can rate your levels of ability, belief, clarity, motivation, environment, and start to work out where you need to focus to give yourself the best chance of achieving it. So just use the tool, use the model, give yourself a quick assessment so that you don't waste time in the wrong places and don't get you know move yourself forward as fast as you could have so that's the whole point of that tool that's Um, great advice and i just want to interrupt you for a second before you move on to that other piece because i think you mentioned that you have like a resource that our listeners could use around this abc and me is that right i do so um i think behind me on the screen but if you go to www.makeit-happen which is my business make it happen make it hyphen happen.co.uk in the uk um you'll see there something called five keys which is what abc me is it's the five keys to achieving anything and you click on the five keys and if you sign up you will get a pdf that will explain this model very simply and give you some tips if you've got a low score in any of those areas and is also uh, you'll get shortly after that access to a webinar where i explain the whole model in much more detail in a training so 
And it's yeah, that's, that's so helpful. Thank you for sharing that with us, Ben. And I'll be sure to put that in the episode notes here. So you can just click through to the show notes and click the link to go and grab that so that you can start applying this ABC me model to your life. And I'm sorry to cut you off. What was the other piece of advice? No, no, it's all. So my last one is a really big one and it's a hope and a dream more than a goal, I suppose. Mm. What I would love is if the world saw their problems as potential solutions waiting for a plan. Every problem can be redefined as a goal. I haven't yet found a problem that can't be redefined as a goal. And if you can do that first step, then there's only one step left, which is coming up with a really good plan to achieve it. And I hope and I I would love if people took that attitude, we'd have a very different culture where people would start to feel more in control of their lives because their problems would weigh them down less if their first thought was, if this is my problem, what's the goal that would solve this problem? And now I've got my goal, what's the best plan to get there? So really a problem is two steps away from its solution. I love that. And I think it's a really positive outlook for us too, because in our culture and society, we tend to a lot of the time focus on negatives, maybe get into the habit of complaining. So this is a good, you know, sort of shift to take the power back and turn those problems into goals. I love it. Well, thank you. Feel free to to take that attitude, use it. I can't use that word. I still can't work out there. (laughs) But share, spread the word. And um, hopefully more and more people will feel in charge of their lives and their outcomes. That's my hope. Yes, yes, totally. And share, you know, if this episode has resonated with you or you feel like somebody could benefit from this, maybe you know someone who's trying to achieve a goal, please send this with them and help us be part of that ripple effect so that we can help everybody achieve their ambitious goals. But Ben, thank you so much for sharing so much of your expertise and experience with us today. My absolute pleasure. I hope I fulfilled the introduction. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You definitely did. And I'm going to be linking all of your links in the social, in the description. So all of your social media links, your website, where everybody can go and grab that free resource. So be sure to go and check that out. Connect with Ben. We would love to hear from you, especially if this episode impacted you. And there you have it. This really brings us to the close. So a big thank you to our incredible guest, Dr. Ben Levy, for sharing so much of his expertise with us today. And I just want you to remember that achieving your goals and conquering anxiety is not only possible, but it's really within your reach. And Dr. Levy here, he's shed light on these evidence-based strategies, his ABC me approach and how we can really develop these habits to achieve our dreams. So I hope that this inspires you and empowers you to go and achieve your ambitions. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Anxious and Ambitious.